Robots Radio. Games, lore, stories, community. Just press play. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, the podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Welcome back, friends. This is the Fallout Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and we keep getting closer to the launch of the Fallout TV show, and there have been a number of leaked images, some information out there. We discussed this a little bit during the Patreon episode uh, just recently, but I thought now would be the time to share some of my thoughts on some of the images. Did I say images? Images. Words are hard, friends. And uh, what they might mean for the, the show and what specifically the show will encapsulate. I have some thoughts on this, so I wanted to make sure that these got out now, that I could put this out into the world, and who knows? I mean, I've been known to make some crazy predictions, and as with most crazy predictions, there's a very slim chance that many of them actually come true. But the thing with making crazy predictions, and the reason why psychics still have jobs and things like that, is not because they can see the future. It's because they make so many crazy predictions that when they do get one right, which is statistically just a, a thing, then they can claim, oh, I made that prediction. So I'm, I'm going to go the psychic route on this one, and I'm going to claim that I can foresee the future, like Mom Murphy on hopped up on a bunch of drugs or something um so here let's let's just cover some of the basic stuff that we've been able to see so far the screenshots that have come out or not even screenshots the uh just the images that have been the pictures that have been taken things like that so let's start this off with some of the things that you guys have heard about so far and i'm going to go into a little bit more detail the behind the scenes stuff the things that we know about the locations or the items and those kinds of things just kind of pull in some of the lore and then in the second half of this episode i'm going to piece together my theory as to what we're actually getting on the show because i think i've got a good sense of it and i'm very excited because this might actually reflect some of the predictions i made or ideas i had a few years ago that i stated on this show so so uh, here, let's just get into it. First, we have images of the Super Duper Mart. This is a real world location that people have been taking pictures of because it, this is basically a location out on Staten Island, uh, New York, where they've taken a an old abandoned, like, I guess it was like a grocery store or something. And, and not really abandoned, it's just kind of empty. Like whoever was in there had moved out. They've got kind of this strip mall that hasn't been used in a while and they've dirtied it up. In fact, they've made it look so much like a super duper mart in a wasteland that they've imported a bunch of dirt and rusted vehicles, these classic looking cars and rusted vehicles. And not even, not only that, but we also have images of like piles of dirt with uh, bones, like human bones. So there's one image in particular where you can see like the rib cage and the skull of an individual who <clears throat> must have died, I guess out here in the wasteland at the super duper mart because they couldn't find any food left to eat at the at the mart the images are really cool though because there have been some other images that have leaked that are a little bit closer in detail here not just the big zoomed out views but we actually do have 
the whole front of the super duper mart being like boarded up with um what looks like wood and what's it called the um the wavy looking uh pieces of metal whatever that's called um just like if somebody had like decided to use this as a shelter and wanted to keep all the glass windows from or at least maybe the windows had been broken uh sealed up so that nobody could get in through the big windows in the front that sort of thing there's also a lot of cosmetic stuff that has been added to the outside of this building dirt and uh very specifically in one of the zoomed out view or one of the zoomed in views you can actually see where there was like a there's like a light hanging in the front and the um the bottom of the super duper mart letters and the way that they've done the the dirt looks very accurate to the way that weathering actually happens you know how when you haven't seen like you haven't cleaned the outside of a building in a while and the way that the water runs down the building creates these tracks that create more dirt directly underneath the object that the water was running past like the uh just like the the muck and stuff from the top of the building kind of gets pulled down and run down the side of the building and specifically underneath things that created the water to move and drip underneath them that kind of thing they've got going on here in some of the some of the locations it looks like it's very very weathered even the yellow poles in the front of the building are yellow but are very weathered some of them are extremely weathered some of them look like they even might have had things that were wrapped around them at some point that kind of wore off the paint they're doing a good job here i think that there's a lot of cool stuff going on one of the complaints i've heard is specifically about the vehicles we have in the front of the set so far from what i've seen you have what looks like a 1930s car an old truck a uh, big old tanker for transporting something like oil some sort of liquid something like that and on the front of the tanker it used to be blue it's very rusted you can't quite see it in any of the images that i've seen there are some of people out working out in front kind of moving these vehicles around it looks like there's the remains of some sort of logo or some sort of word on the front i have to wonder if that's a specific callback to some specific group or business in the fallout world i'm not sure which one that would be but that's also very cool now there has been some complaints about the fact that these vehicles don't look like nuclear powered cars and i'm not too worried about that specifically because some of these types of vehicles do exist in the fallout world in these types of designs and just because they the shape of the vehicle is a certain shape doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't nuclear powered inside like in the engines so i wouldn't sweat that too much and just because the vehicles that we have seen outside this location don't look like any of the like weird futuristic kinds of uh shapes that are seen in some of the fallout games doesn't mean that they don't exist this just might be the selection of cars that were run down and left in front of this building and who knows maybe these vehicles are older and were in not as good condition originally because this was a poorer part of town or something like that right like there's a lot of reasons why this could be the way it is the other thing that i want to point out here is that we can tell from some of the other images and i'll get into those in a minute that the showrunners have a, a really good sense of what they're doing they're using the games and the designs in the games as a uh a foundation 
for the stuff that we're going to be seeing in the show. And this is very clearly seen in the images of the power armor that we have seen. This set of power armor is impressive for a number of reasons. First, just the shape of it. It is it has been shaped in a way that looks like it came directly out of a video game. Even to the details of the um the the wheel that turns on the back that is like the open close mechanism on the back of the suit for the suit to open up, that looks directly out of a game. The way the the lines and the designs work, all of that it it just it looks like something that you would have seen in the game. And the size of it in one of the images, you have the majority of the suit of, of power armor kind of, it's hard to tell if it's like hanging. I don't think it's hanging, but it looks like it's propped up on something and it's next to a, some Uline boxes. If you've worked in shipping, you know, the company Uline, um, some very standard size stuff. You can see next to it, a, like a hand cart with a bunch of boxes on it with some wheels. It really gives you a sense of like comparative size. And the power armor looks gigantic. Like this looks like this doesn't look like power armor from Fallout Three or New Vegas. This looks like Fallout Four, Fallout Seventy Six size power armor. The kind of thing that you climb into <laughs> in order to get in, not the kind of thing that you put on your body. More of like a uh, you know an automated vehicle kind of size thing. Um, but it's not distorted in a way where it looks like the body has to be malformed in order for it to work. It looks like the kind of thing that like a person can actually get in and steer it around and like walk around in this suit. I'm sure it would be very heavy if it was actually made out of metal, but very, very, very accurate, I think is my point here. <laughs> and so if they're going that accurate on stuff like power armor, also the uh, the vault suit, there is an image of an individual with his head kind of scratched out, uh, standing with clearly a vault suit on. The vault suit looks very accurate. It's It's got the blue. It's got the gold. It has it even has some of this like uh, interesting. Uh, it goes down the, the outside of the arm and the like the hip and then down the side of the leg. There's kind of this. Uh, I don't know if it's like a leather. Uh, it looks like a different texture than the rest of it and it kind of lines that move uh, horizontally down the side but it's the same color as the rest of the suit it looks like it's just part of the design of the suit it it looks very legit let's just say that this outfit looks legit so with these kinds of details showing up i i'm not worried that we're not getting like you know, uh, the funnier looking designed vehicles out in front of the super duper mart. In fact, one theory would be that these style cars exist in the real world. And so they, you know, Hollywood can get their hands on some old vehicles that they can use from other sets and other movies in order to put outside, but they don't actually have the physical designs of some of these newer looking vehicles. So wouldn't it make sense for them to edit those in, in post with computer graphics it totally would. That's what TV shows do. They edit in the stuff that would be too costly to make. Why make, why fill out an entire vehicle or vehicles of this other design to lay into the scene when you could just do it using CG? Now, I guess you could say you could do the same thing with power armor and I bet they will. But I also think that they're going to use actual sets and, and pieces of power armor in the scenes 
physically with individuals in order to ground it in order to make it feel real and like there's this giant suit next to somebody i'm sure we're going to get scenes of say like the brotherhood marching through the desert or something like that in power armor and some of those scenes are going to be done on computer absolutely and maybe some of the combat scenes and some of that stuff there's going to be like you know shooting lasers at death claws like that stuff's gonna be animated using cg uh you know almost 100 percent sure that's that's what's gonna happen but having the real physical items out there as part of the world is crucial because it grounds it it makes it feel real so let's talk about some other details here we did get an image recently of a dog a German Shepherd and it's it, this is a person on set with a German Shepherd they happen to be walking across the set in order to who knows do what was this just did this just happen to be a German Shepherd that somebody brought onto the to the set because they were like hey it'd be fun to have my dog here with us or is this a trained acting dog and we're getting dog meat I think that's more likely Dog meat has been a part of the series from the beginning. This goes all the way back to Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. Every mainline Fallout game has had a dog meat. Every single one of them. Now, the type of dog changes in the games. The original dog meat is most likely, and, and many of these dogs are considered mutts. They're not considered pure breeds. They're, they're close to a pure breed, but they probably aren't. That's at least the running theory on this. But the first dog meat was inspired by the movie Mad Max. And in the movie Mad Max, it's an Australian cattle dog. This is the same type of dog that you get in three in New Vegas. But in four, you have a German Shepherd. And it seems like if this German Shepherd is dog meat in the TV show, then dog meat is a German Shepherd officially on the TV show. Now, does that mean that we're getting Fallout 4's story? I don't think so. I don't think that's enough of a of an influence. I think they, they just decided to go with the German Shepherd because it's a it's a very iconic, identifiable, identifiable, identifiable <laughs> breed of dog and it also matches the most recent mainline game which many of us are familiar with so it will feel right to us if they had pulled in an australian cattle dog then many people would have been like wait that's not dog meat dog meat's not dog meat's a german shepherd because they're going to be thinking about fallout 4 in fact this is one of those things that if you search it online many people will misanswer the question. There are a lot of questions on Reddit, for example, of people like, what kind of breed is dog meat? And post the, the posts that go up post Fallout 4, after Fallout 4, people are misremembering in the answers that in 3 in New Vegas, it wasn't a German Shepherd. It's an Australian cattle dog. So I, I think that's a good enough evidence to show that like, yeah, stick with the most recent version of dog meat because... Ultimately, it doesn't matter. What what matters is that dog meat is in the show. This is a legitimate Fallout show. It has a dog meat, which I think leads to some other possibilities here. But we're going to go thank our patrons first. And I'm going to come back and tell you what I think maybe all of this adds up to. Plus, there's another scene I haven't discussed yet, which I think is the, the crux 
of it all. Don't go away. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. How awesome was Jessica Starr's episode last week? Guys, thanks again. Well, thank big thanks again to Jess for, for joining in and holding down the fort while I was off on a cruise adventure. I went with a, on a quick little cruise with my family out of town for a few days and uh, tried not to get too much sun. And we had a great time. But go check out Jessica Starr's other stuff. Go look her up on Twitter. Awesome stuff. Thank you again, Jess, for filling in. And this is the part of the show where I get to thank our patrons. And we have some new ones who have signed up in the last week since I edited that episode. So we have Mad Ghoul, Stimpak and Chill, Nathan and Emily A. Thank you so much. All four of you new new patrons signing up in the last week. That is awesome. Welcome to the Patreon. I hope you guys are enjoying your ad-free episodes, your early episodes. Some of you are signed up on a higher tier, so you're able uh, tier four or higher to join us at the end of the month. We'd love to have you join us for the chat and chime in on the discord make sure that your patreon and your discord accounts are linked so that you can chime in and throw out some ideas for the chat at the end of the month but we'd love to see you on there thanks again for being part of this and a big thanks to all 56 current fallout lorecast patrons you guys are you guys are the best and we have i'm the creeper and germinator our sentry bots holding down the fort he's protecting us i guess um <laughs> thanks Thanks to all of you guys. You guys are the best. Really do appreciate it. If you're interested in checking out all the different tiers, patreon.com slash falloutlorecast is where to do it. Also, big reminder, within about a month or two, we're going to be running out of that first year of t-shirts, which you can get in on still until I believe it's sometime in September. I don't know the actual date. But if you sign up now at tier three, you get stickers at tier four, you get T-shirts and you can start getting the T-shirts from the first year all the way through the next year, because every three months you get a new T-shirt as long as you stay a patron. And that means that the second year of T-shirts would come out when the first year ends. So if you're signed up now and you stay signed on, you'll actually get like double T-shirts for the next year. So now's your chance. Once those t-shirts are gone, they are gone. You can't get them anymore. You can't buy them on the store. I don't even have one. They're only for patrons. And this is the only opportunity you have to get them. So go check those out. There are images up on the Patreon. I'm going to post them again, just so everybody can see them. And, uh, big thanks to everybody for the support. Also, we have some reviews that came in. I'll read them real quick. We have this one from Church on a Hill says, love the show from the United States. Five stars. One of the best lore cast podcasts, man, listening to it brightens my day following the lore and then wondering about a new Fallout 5 or even six based in Michigan. Keep up the good work. Michigan. That's a that's an idea. I'd love to hear more about some reasoning for Michigan. Then we have one from Death Kate, who uh, is also from the United States, who wrote absolutely love Fallout Lorecast. Five stars. I love to listen while I'm working. Not only are the episodes entertaining, but I'm able to fill in a lot of gaps in my Fallout lore. I started playing 76 a couple years ago and only just finished Fallout 4. Great podcast. Thank you for sharing with the world. Well, thank you for tuning in and taking the time to leave the reviews. Both Church and Deathgate, thank you so much. And if you'd like to help out the show, leaving your rating and review on Apple Podcasts is a great place to do it. 
leaving a rating on Spotify. Also a great place to do it, even if you don't listen on those platforms. If you take the time to just pull up the app and drop a rating, that would be amazing. It really does help us get the show out there for other people. So thank you so much. All right, let's get on with my theory about what the Fallout TV show is actually going to be about. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. All right, so, so, there's one other scene that we have images of. These are like top-down shots of a location with individuals walking in a pathway between buildings. This appears to be a group of doctors with a, uh, uh, like a bed on wheels with a body under a sheet out in the open. And I've heard people speculate about this. I've, I've watched some videos. I've, I've, you know, seen some posts on Twitter, those kinds of things. And people are speculating, Oh, this is vault tech guys. This is outdoors. <laughs> these are, these are buildings outside. This is like, if this is vault tech, then this is a, location before the bombs drop where they're doing tests on people or something. I don't think this is vault tech. That doesn't make sense. Another image we have is of what appears to be the same location on the same set of a man wearing very dark, either dark Navy or black or gray uh, clothing, holding a laser rifle on the same set. You know what this makes me think? I think this is pre-war. I think this is Mariposa. I think what we are seeing here is the government testing on soldiers. These, and I know those of you who have been listening to this for a while know that this was my pitch for a Fallout movie. What if we went back to Mariposa, Mariposa, to the original Maxon realizing that this is all terrible and then deciding to take things into his own hands. And then of course the bombs dropping and the origins of the brotherhood on a fallout TV show. This makes sense as a flashback moment. This makes sense as a foundational moment in the past. So like the TV show is actively in the present, which is 100, 200 years after the bombs drop sometime during the, the, timing of the games right and we have flashbacks to before the bombs dropped we're going to have flashbacks to the war we're going to have flashbacks to the before the drums bombs dropped all of that stuff it totally makes sense because it helps fill in the viewers understanding of why the world is a wasteland but to have a sense of who the brotherhood is and in the brotherhood armor on the brotherhood armor if you look on the wrist of the armor It looks like there's kind of this like worn out symbol that looks like a brotherhood rank. We talked about it before. I've looked at it again. I think it's a brotherhood rank symbol on the wrist. It looks like one of the things that we see in Fallout 3. If we're going into dissecting what's going on with the brotherhood, then the story in flashbacks of what happened at Mariposa totally makes sense. I really think that this is what this is. It doesn't make sense for a vault to be outside. Vaults are underground. The only place that any vault I know of that opens up to the outer world is a singular door that opens up, or unless it was like a test vault or something, even that's different. So this isn't a vault. Now, is this a 
different location than Mariposa. Maybe, maybe this is a West Tech site, possibly. Maybe this is the Institute. But again, we have these guards with laser rifles that don't look like, I, I think they look mostly like government agents who are standing around protecting the site. Now, maybe that means it's West Tech. And this is a scene where they're testing out the forced evolutionary virus in order to see if it's going to work right. But I don't know that that plays out as interestingly as the events of Mariposa and the actual attempt to create super soldiers. These are two very different things. One is like, oh, the world was going bad and there was a virus and here's what we tried to do to deal with it. And then we took that virus and we made it into something else. Here's some images of that. Another one is, why are there super mutants? What is going on? Who is the Brotherhood and why do they care about what's going on? That seems more interesting to me. And who knows? It could be both. Maybe they take all of that and they wrap it up into one little tight little thing with a bow. And they're like, yeah, we did some tests. There was this location where we did some tests on a way of handling the the plague, and then we have the forced evolutionary virus, and oh, by the way, also super mutants. They could tie that all in together in one location, and maybe or maybe not that's Mariposa because of who knows how the lore shifts for the TV show because, and just spoilers, guys, oftentimes when something is made into a TV show, they they make some changes to the lore. I think we need to put our pitchforks away, at least for now, and just allow some of the slight changes to just be okay. When telling a story in a TV show or movie format, you have to take a lot of detail and you have to kind of shrink it down in a way that fits very easily into somebody who doesn't know those details uh, perspective of what's going on. You have to teach them large swaths of history and information very succinctly. So to take events like the creation of the FEV and then the mutation of soldiers and putting that all in like one easy to conceive of location in a you know quick little time sequence in order for us to get into more of the interesting actual stuff happening now with the characters we care about stuff. I think is okay. Like it doesn't have to be a hundred percent one-to-one match on the lore and what we know because the lore of the games is the lore of the games and the lore of the show will be the lore of the show. There's always going to be some separation there and to have any expectation that that's not the case when we've never seen that be the case is a little bit silly, right? The, for example, the Lord of the Rings movies, the, they're great right? They're classics. Everybody loves the Lord of the Rings movies. Peter Jackson made made huge changes to some of the things, some of the characters, some of the events in order to get those things into films that worked as films. And some people hate that, but I love Tolkien. I love his works. I do another show about the lore of the Lord of the Rings. And I don't know that the direct one-to-one relation of what happened in the books could have made sense in a movie. I don't think it would have been as entertaining or interesting. I wish it could be, but I don't think that's the case. Um, Similarly, you look at um, any other franchise. Uh, Heck, the MCU knows this so well that Marvel is purposely not taking a like frame by frame, page by page interpretation of the comics and putting those in movie form and TV show form. 
they know that that doesn't work. So that's why there's the MCU. There's the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of those events because it works differently for the platform. I think we need to temper some of our expectations. That's all that I'm saying. Now, that's not to say that like, oh, the FEV isn't a thing. That's okay. Or super mutants don't exist in this world. That's there's there's a line, right? There's a line where this is taken too far. But for the most part, I think as long as they get the broad brush strokes right, who is the Brotherhood? Who are some of these characters? What are the main events in the world? What's Vault-Tec doing? What does it mean to be a vault dweller? And the tone, especially the tone matches, then I think they're on the right track. That is more important to me than getting every little lore detail correct. Here's another Here's another perspective on this. If they have somebody like Dog Meat in the show, then they're already going the right direction in order to get the tone correct. Because I think what we're going to see here is not just the events of Mariposa, not the world through the perspective of the Brotherhood, although we'll get some of that. I think our main protagonist will be a vault dweller, will be somebody who leaves the vault. The story will go around in some format of the classic stories from Fallout 1 to Fallout 4 of a vault dweller having to leave the vault in order to do something in order to help the people that he cares about survive. And when they enter into this great unknown world, they come across things that they've never experienced before because they've lived their lives in a vault and their discovery and wondery, wondery, their discover and <laughs> discovery and wonder will match the viewers in learning what's going on in this world. So at some point they will come across people just living out in the wasteland and the terrible lives that they have to do, you know, deal with, but the, also some of the freedoms that they have that he doesn't have, or she doesn't have as a vault dweller. They're also going to come across dog meat and they're going to find companionship out in the world. They're also going to come across mutant creatures and monsters and learn how to deal with that. There's going to be a situation where they run into the brotherhood and they have to deal with these individuals who are very powerful and kind of scary, but have what seems to be a noble cause. And then we're going to learn about some of their history and some of what happened before the bombs dropped. I think these are going to be the events, at least of the first season. And then we're going to have some sort of resolution, some sort of they accomplish the thing that they set out to accomplish, but they learn that there's a lot more going on out in the wasteland than they ever would have guessed and enters the enclave or enters the master and the super mutant menace. I think that's probably a more likely format. And throughout all of this, like I mentioned before, we're going to get flashbacks. We're going to flashbacks to the bombs. We're going to, I mean, in every fallout game, you, you get those flashbacks at the beginning. You have these images of these old newsreels and, and maybe even stories from ghouls, people who were around when it happened. If I had to put my money on it, I would guess that this takes place fairly early in the history of the wasteland. And by that, I don't mean closer to fallout four. I mean, closer to fallout two. I think we're getting a earlier version of the wasteland where they're going to be able to flesh out some of the other things that we know exist in the wasteland, but aren't really tackled until later. 
That's my theory on it. And this first season, we're going to get a lot of this is the past. This is who we are now. And this is what we have to deal with to survive. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What you think that scene with the people in the lab coats and the body under the sheet, what that actually means. Is there another location that I didn't think of? Is there some other option that I'm just not considering? I would be super excited, though, if they do take some of my my theory, my idea for a fallout movie that I put out a few years ago in one of these episodes and they take some of that. It would be really cool to have a little, you know, just a little wink from the community somewhere. I don't know. Maybe one of the writers just like, hey, thanks for some inspiration there, robots. That'd be cool. Um, Who knows? I I doubt that'll happen, but it would be really cool. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to be back next week with a more regular episode. We're going to be diving back into New Vegas and one of the really cool locations then some other wacky stuff that happens there. So stay tuned for that. But I'll see you guys. Stay safe. Later, everybody. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots underscore radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.